Uh, it's good to see so many of y'all I ain't seen in about four years. So uh, I appreciate y'all having me back. If y'all missed the introduction, I'm Montrey. A lot of y'all know me as Trey. Uh, I was here, man, eight years in Jackson. So this is like my second home. I went to Jackson State University, studied at RTS with uh, Zach, Reverend, Reverend Zach. Uh, man, I, I used to work here as an intern, work with the kids. I see a lot of the kids I used to work with, y'all got older and taller. And uh, some, some of the adults have gotten younger uh, <laughs> and look better. So, hey, it's a, it's a pleasure to be back here with y'all. My wife, she'll be here at the 11 o'clock. So if you know Carlin, she sends her blessings as well. Uh, man, I'm happy to be here with y'all and excited that Elbert, Pastor L, got a break. Um, so backstory, I know I'm talking a lot, but this y'all like my second family. So y'all know Elbert used to be campus minister at Jackson State for RUF. And uh, he was my campus minister. And as I got introduced to a lot of things, uh, Redeemer, a lot of things, PCA. And uh, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be standing up here in front of y'all. So y'all have a good pastor. Y'all have good elders here. Um, and yeah, it's just a good place. So I want to open up the word with y'all this morning. I don't want to stand up here a long time. I know L can preach for an hour. <laughs> uh, and if he's watching, it, it ain't a shot, L. I'm just, I promise y'all won't be up here that long. Uh, but y'all, we'll, we'll be in the book of Matthew this morning. Uh, Matthew 8. And uh, I kind of tricked y'all a little bit. I'm we're reading Matthew 8, but I'm going to look at Mark as well. And uh, as y'all find it, let me pray for us, pray for myself, pray for our time in the Word. Father God, Lord, I thank you that you have given us another day. Lord, I thank you that your spirit is not far away that you have drawn near to us, even with the sin that we have done, even with the mess that we found ourselves in, even with the confusion, even with the hard decisions and just complicatedness of life. Lord, you have not been, you have not shied away from us, but you have moved closer. Lord, during this time, would you move closer towards us? Would you speak directly to our hearts? Lord, would you illuminate our minds? Lord, would you help us to see Jesus? Help us to know him. Help us to love him. Help us to follow him. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you be with me? Help me to teach his word. Make sure it's clear and make sure it's from you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Everybody say, amen. amen. All right, y'all, I'm going to read Matthew Matthew 8, and I'm reading out of the uh, New American Standard Bible translation, in case it's different. And um, starting in 20, the screen will probably start at 28, but I'll start at 26. And this is Jesus um, basically crossing over the sea, the Sea of uh, Galilee, and uh, he's with his disciples. And a storm hits the, the, the lake or whatever. And it's, anyway, 
verse 26, it says, Jesus said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then Jesus got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed, and they said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? When Jesus came to the other side into the country of the Gadarenes, two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so extremely violent that no one can pass by that way. And they cried out saying, what business do we have with each other? Or what is it to you? And what is it to me, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now there was a herd of many pigs feeding at a distance from them. And the demons began to beg Jesus saying, if you're going to cast us out, Send us into the herd of pigs. And Jesus said to them, go. And they came out and went into the pigs. And the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the waters. The herdsmen ran away, the people who were feeding the pigs. They ran away, they actually fled. And they went into the city and reported everything, including what had happened to the men that were dealing with demons. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Uh, that's, that's Matthew's account. I want to just finish up with Mark. And I'm picking up in Mark 5, verse 18. Y'all probably won't have this on the screen, but y'all just follow along. And it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. All right, y'all, this is the word of God. May he add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of this most holy word. All right, y'all, I got, I know I'm coming with an uh, obscure text this morning. This might be the only time you talk about demons this week, uh, but hopefully this time is, is beneficial for everybody. Y'all probably heard the phrase, man, I can't take you anywhere. I can't take you nowhere. A lot of times you may use this for kids, you know, when you go out in public and they get to showing the true colors, like, man, I can't take these kids nowhere. It might be your frat brother that you take out to the club or you take to the parties. It might be a sister or an uncle. Y'all know that one uncle that you take out and he's like, man, I can't take this uncle nowhere. He's going to draw so much attention, I just want to leave him at the house. It may be you, and that might, and that might be why you're quiet. You know you the one that you can't go, <laughs> you don't get invited anymore because you can't, we can't take you nowhere. It's all eyes on you everywhere we go. I'm, being, I'm joking, y'all, but this, this is really Jesus' life in Matthew 8. You can't take Jesus nowhere. Everywhere he go, it's all eyes on him. He's getting all the attention. If you read Matthew 8, it's people coming to him left and right, bringing sick people. Bringing demon-possessed people, bringing paralyzed people, 
I mean, it's so much attention on Jesus that, I mean, a hurricane almost hit the sea while he's crossing over on the boat. It's just so much attention being put on Jesus in Matthew 8. And the disciples ask a question in verse 27. They said, man, what type of man is this? What type of man is this? Why is he getting all this attention? Why, is he, why does he have all this power? We see in verse 29 of, of this passage, the demons actually answer it for them. See, the disciples are trying to figure out, but the demons say, man, this is the Son of God. And there's the Son of God. He is the most important figure in human history. All attention should be on him. He demands attention. He demands a reaction from all of us. Now, we see from all of us, and we got to add another category of individuals that Jesus is demanding attention from, and it's even demons. Jesus demands attention from these evil spirits. Now, if y'all watch Netflix, it's a movie on there, and I won't say the name because I, I don't know much about the movie, but the plot. It's a movie on there where a comet is about to hit planet Earth, right? And it's these two astronomers, they know this. They're like, man, it's a, it's a comet about to hit Earth. And so the whole movie, they're trying to basically warn people and get them to believe, like, hey, it's actually a comet about to hit the Earth, and we need to do something about it. And you would think the whole movie is people panicking and getting prepared for it, but the people don't believe it. They're not concerned about it. They're, they're having to be convinced. The Bible, when we think about evil spirits, when we think about demons, the Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us, hey man, it's, it's demons about to come attack planet Earth, or it's a devil out there trying, about, to, about to crash into Jackson, Mississippi. The Bible doesn't tell us to get prepared for this. The Bible tells us, hey, it's a, they already here. Evil is already here. That's how Genesis starts off, right? Not starts off, but ends off. I just want to read some stats to y'all about what, what the Bible says about demons. And this is not to scare y'all, it's just for context. In the Bible, the word for devil is used 34 times in the New Testament. The word for Satan is used 18 times in the Old Testament and 35 times in the New Testament. The word for demon is used 82 times in the New Testament. Most of that is probably from the Gospels. The term unclean spirit is used once in the New Testament and twice, I mean once in the Old Testament and twice in the New Testament. Evil spirit is used eight times in the Old Testament, two times in the New. And the term evil one is used 10 times in the New Testament. Matthew, in this gospel, in this, in this account, what he's doing in chapter 8 is he's been highlighting the authority of Jesus, right? And specifically in this last few verses of Matthew 8, Matthew wants us to see that demons are operating not just back in Jesus' time, but they're operating today. 
But at the same time, he wants us to see how Jesus exercised his power even over them, too. That, that Jesus' authority stretches even over the invisible realm that we can't see. So if y'all will, I just want to walk down this passage for a second and draw out a few things, and then I'm going to sit down, and uh, we can go on about our days. But if we look at verse 1, it reads in this way. It says, when Jesus came to the other side and to the country of the Gadarenes, two men who were demon-possessed met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were extremely violent, and no one can pass that way. So, so what's going on? Jesus has just crossed over into another country. So we know Jesus is a Jewish man uh, living, living in Judea, living in that, that, that time. But as he crosses over this Sea of Galilee, he enters into a new county. And it says as soon as he comes over, he's introduced by two men who have demons. Now, I don't... We say demon-possessed, but these men have some type of relationship with evil spirits. Mark and Luke, they, they describe it differently. One says he has an unclean spirit. The other one says they, they have demons. So we just know they're dealing with something. What does this relationship with demons look like for these men? And I'll be brief in, in how we describe this. We can, we can really get into it, but... One thing we see for sure is that these men are extremely aggressive and hostile. The other gospel accounts tell us that, you know, even the, men, even the city tried to chain them up, and the men were breaking chains. Uh, chains are not meant to be broken by human hands and human strength, but these men were possessed by some spirit and had this supernatural ability. We see that these men lived in isolation. When Jesus is introduced to these men, they were coming out of the tombs. So I don't think graveyards in America, the tombs in the Middle East at this time were caves. These were dark places that these men lived in. The other gospel accounts tell us that these men lived in agony and they lived in self-harm. They were screaming all the time and cutting themselves. We also see that these men, because of these demons, had a sensitivity towards Jesus. The Bible says that they saw Jesus from a far distance, and they ran towards him because he is the Son of God. We also see that these men, because of these demons, were under total control. Mark 5, verse 9 tells us, the demon, you know, identifies himself as Legion. And not, most of us have heard this story. They say, you know, our name is Legion, for we are many. And that time, a Legion represents a cohort of soldiers around 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers. So put that in perspective. The other feature that we see about them is that they have a spiritual awareness of Jesus and the end time. So the demons say, Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? We know that time is a time of judgment. The demons know that Jesus is a judge. 
But moving on from that, we see even with all this, you know, spiritual stuff going on, this demonic activity, in some spiritual, metaphysical way, Jesus forces these demons out of these men and into the pigs. And we know it worked because the pigs rush off the bank and they, they die in the water. And the men start acting normal again. So something happened. It wasn't just, you know, a coincidence. Jesus did something. This was a big deal. A very big deal. Two men were running wild in the city. And now they've been healed. So we expect for the news to get out. So when we read that the, the feeders go into town to spread the word, I mean, we, that's, that's part of the standard mode operation. They didn't have camera phones. They couldn't put it on Instagram live. They couldn't text their friends. So the Bible tells us that they ran away. It says that they fled, actually. Almost like they were in danger themselves. They went away to go tell the city. And verse 33 says, when they fled, they went into the city and reported everything, including what had happened to the demoniacs or the men with demons. Said so they reported everything and the things about the men. And when you read that, it kind of seems like, all right, I thought that everything was about the men with the demons. But the text kind of makes it sound like the, the, the stuff that happened with the men is an afterthought. But they, they took the news back to the city. Verse 34, and behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And that makes sense. A man just came to your town, and he'd have killed a bunch of pigs, and he didn't bullied the bullies and got the men to act right. I, we got to come out and see who this guy is. Who, is. who is this dude? And it says, when the people saw Jesus, they begged him to leave their region. Now, I don't know what y'all thought was going to happen or was about to happen, but I thought the town would roll out the red carpet for Jesus. I mean, he obviously had some type of power or authority. I, I thought the city would say, man, this dude needs to be the king. This dude needs to be the governor. But now we, we, we see that the city was actually terrified of Jesus. That's what Mark and Luke tell us. I want to draw y'all attention a little bit closer to this passage because I think Matthew is, 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 is showing us some more than just fear. This drive in the city to react to Jesus this way. It's more than just, oh man, he scared me when he did that. If you look, let me just summarize what I just read. I want to make this, make it make sense for everybody. So two men with demons, they came out. They came out of the tombs to meet Jesus, okay? The demons inside of them begged Jesus to leave them alone. The demons came out of the men, and they went into the, into the herd of pigs, and the whole herd of pigs rushed off a cliff and died in the lake. The herdsmen went into the city to report the news, and the whole city came out of the city to meet Jesus, and they begged Jesus to leave the country. I read that fast, but I hope y'all catch the parallels in this. 
I think Matthew is, is doing something unique in his account of this time with these demon-possessed men. When we look at the text, we see that both these men and the city come out to meet Jesus. Both the men and the city beg Jesus to leave them alone. The text says the demons went into the herd of pigs just like the herdsmen went into the city. The whole city came out just like the whole herd rushed off. This is the plot twist that Matthew wants us to see. When Jesus forced these demons out of these men, the demons didn't leave the country. And we see this in Mark 5, verse 10. The demons beg Jesus, do not send us out the country. Let us stay. Send us into the pigs. This morning, what we're having to wrestle with is that just like these men in this city, the demons haven't left. The demons are not just in these men who exercise his supernatural strength. These evil spirits do not just torment people with, that appear to have mental illnesses and afflictions. What we see in Matthew is that these demons are influencing even the city itself. That these two men just really represent what's going on behind the scenes. That yeah, we got these two guys that epitomize the moral darkness, but the city is really the one, the city is really the one affected the most. Now I know I'm saying something that y'all probably already know, like, yeah, we knew, we know that the demons run the city, right? That's what this text is hinting at. But I just want to read to y'all some passages from the New Testament to kind of draw this, bring it home a little bit. As we think about demons influencing a whole town or a whole country, it sounds strange because I'm up here saying it, but I, want, I, I just need some help. 1 John 5, verse 19, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 2 Timothy 4, verse 26, and he's talking about men who oppose the gospel. He, he, and he prays. He says, man, I hope that they may come to their senses. And I want these men to escape from the snare of the devil. They have been held captive by the devil to do his will. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 1 John 4, verse 2 or verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Ephesians 2, like we read earlier. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working 
and the sons of disobedience. I just said a bunch of stuff. But the message is clear. You live in a city, you live in a world where evil is everywhere. There is a force that you cannot see that's at play. And Jesus has left you here. He's gotten on the boat and he done chunked the deuces. But Jesus has left us hope in this passage. If you're left in the city with the evil ones, you need protection. I don't want to have to detail all the stuff that we see today. Y'all know what we face is not just human. The corruption we see in our governments, the hostility we see in people, the violence, the abuse. Look, it's small. It could be as small as, man, I didn't, people keep hitting my car and running away. People keep stealing from me. People keep robbing me. It can be bigger. I've lost people who died from gun violence. I've lost people who've died from malpractice. I've lost people who've dealt with all types of things. I think we chalk this up to, man, you know, people just sinners, right? People just, you know, dealing with the fall. But this text really makes us wrestle with, man, it's something behind this. We are, we, you know, we have evil tendencies, but we, man, we're getting some help from somewhere. And if I'm going to be honest, and if we're honest with ourselves this morning, a lot of this brings fear. A lot of us are scared of evil, scared of demonic activity. And it makes sense. That's why we move to different neighborhoods. That's why we try to insulate ourselves and create Christian circles. That's why we buy new guns, get better security. But at the end of the day, we're just fearful. Jesus knows this. He's like, I left you here, but I'm, I offer protection for you. Jesus lived amongst evil his whole life. He knows the depths of it. He knows the texture. He knows the schemes. And if you are fearful of evil, if you do live with anxiety, I invite you this morning to look to Jesus as a refuge. You do not have to fear the evil one. You don't have to fear what man may do to you. You can entrust your soul to Jesus this morning. So Jesus left Gadara. He left the men in the city with the demons. But we understand that when Jesus left, he didn't just leave. Jesus got on the cross. He died so he may open up a way for us to be ushered into the new heavens and new earth. 
Jesus has left you in the city, but he does offer protection to you from his throne. He's seated at the right hand of God. If you're going to be left in the city, you're going to need Jesus to protect you. But not only will you need protection this morning, you're going to need some power. You're going to need some power. Now, I, it was this video I saw, uh, elevator scene. Uh, a young woman was on the elevator by herself. And uh, as people got on the elevator, you know, they started to get in and they just faced the back of the elevator. I mean, y'all may have seen this video too. So the young lady, she's on the elevator facing the door. Everybody else is facing the wall. Time and time again, and it's an experiment that they're running. More people get on the elevator and they're facing the wall instead of facing the door. Over time, you start to see the young woman turn around. She's like, if everybody's facing that way, I look stupid, right? <laughs> I need to turn around too. And by the end of the video, she's facing the same way they're facing. But she didn't know it, it was an experiment to see, hey, will, if everybody else is doing this, will it pressure you to conform to what's going on around you? Matthew tells us the whole city came out and begged Jesus to leave. How is it for you? I just want y'all to think about it. When everybody around you doing something that may be demonically influenced, and I know we, we say demonically influenced, and we try to, I'm not talking about drinking blood and like worshiping idols and doing that type of stuff. I'm talking about gossiping at work. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, cheating on their taxes. Well, you know, everybody, don't nobody count that. I'm not going to count that as income. I'm talking about lying. I'm talking about when everybody around you getting drunk. Do you abstain or do you follow suit? Is, are you able to be around evil and not give in. Y'all know about the algorithm. YouTube got this algorithm where you get on it and they just like, hey man, we're gonna push a bunch of videos on you. You ain't got an ass, we already know what you want. The devil got an algorithm on you. He, he know what you like. The demons know what you want. And if we're honest, a lot of us have given in to the algorithm. We've fallen victim, we've fallen prey, we've lost ourselves, we've found ourselves being just like the city, just like the world. And I'm not here to condemn you, but what I am here to say is that there is forgiveness. The same way that Jesus crossed this sea, he knew what he was getting into. He knew what he was dealing with, dealing with people who are being influenced, dealing with people who are lost and need a savior. And Jesus is the same way. He's here to say, look, I can save you. I can break you out of that. I can give you power. If I can say these two men, if I can say the worst of y'all, I can say the rest of y'all. 
We need the power of forgiveness in our lives as we live amongst (laughs) the evil influence. But not only the power of forgiveness, we need the power of the spirit. And James tells us, hey, man, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. But how can you resist if you ain't got no power? The Lord says, I will give you power. I will give you my spirit. I have not left you as an orphan. You will overcome the evil one. You need protection from the evil one. You need power of forgiveness. You need power of the spirit. But you need purpose, right? I think that's where it hits me. It's like, man, why am I still here if it's like this? I can just get on the boat with Jesus, can't it? You just take me where you're going. I think that's what the disciples wanted when Jesus went, ascended into heaven. And we're looking up there like, all right, so <laughs> we still here. You know it's messed up, right? You know the Jews still want to kill us. You know the Romans still after us. So if we're going to stay here and deal with the things that we have to deal with, we got to have some type of purpose. And the, the interesting part about this text to me is that the person that's given purpose is not the one we thought it would be. After everything these demon-possessed men have done, I mean, violence, living like cavemen, living in darkness, I mean, just, it's not, not a pretty, they don't have a good resume. Let's just, <laughs> they couldn't put this on Indeed and get any calls back, let's just say that. But Jesus heals these men, and at least for one of them, he gives him a new purpose for his life. He says, look, you're going to go back and tell everybody about what I did for you. That's going to be your new job. I wonder how many of y'all have tapped into that this morning, that you, that you do have a purpose now, that you ain't here just to gather stuff, that you ain't here to be afraid of demons and afraid of people or afraid of the government or afraid of man. But God is, has specifically called you and said, hey, you're going to stay here, but you're going to represent me. It may be dark around you, but you, you will be the light for everybody else to see. You, you will be my witness, essentially, to let folks know that, hey, you, you could be changed. You don't have to live like that. You can have power. You, you don't have to be weak. Who would have thought that after the people, after people rejected Jesus, that Jesus would send somebody back to them to, to, to essentially help them be free from the snare of the evil one? Jesus ain't left you here to condemn the city. Jesus didn't leave you here to judge the city. Jesus didn't leave us here to judge our families. Jesus has left us here, if you're a Christian this morning, to represent him, to show compassion, 
to move towards people, to figure it out. The same way that Jesus moved towards you and helped you figure it out. This passage that we just read, it's really, it's really a preview of the end of the gospel, right? If you read Matthew all the way towards the end, you know, <laughs> in this passage at least, it's a small town that come out to confront Jesus. But at the end of the gospel, the whole city come out to confront Jesus, the Jews, the Gentiles. And this passage, I mean, the people force Jesus out the city, but at the end, not only do they force Jesus out the city, they force him to carry a cross. And this passage, Jesus leaves with his disciples, and they escape. But in the end of Matthew, the disciples leave Jesus, and only where for, only only place for Jesus to go is into a tomb after they kill him. In this passage, the man wants to go with Jesus. But Jesus tells him, hey, you got to stay. We know in the end that when Jesus leaves, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This morning, as we close, there is evil. And it's not in the form that you think it is. It's not spooky. It's not over-spiritual. What is at work? Draw near to Jesus as he draws near to you. Don't fall for the, the, the schemes of the devil. Continue to cling on to the Lord and Savior who has power over all creation. Your Savior has died for you. He has been risen for you so that you may have power and overcome, represent him, redeemer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I know this text, when we talk about demons, we talk about evil, it could be very abstract. Lord, would you make the implications real? Some of us have seen it more clearly than others. And we have been rock shaken. But Lord, would you give us purpose in the midst of it? Would you help us to stand with you? Lord, we thank you that you stand in front of us. Lord, may your blood continue to cover our sins as we fumble the ball and we give in to the evil one. Lord, would you, would you restore purpose in our lives, would you show us that we have been set here and left here to represent you in all ways? Give my brothers and sisters strength this morning and forever until you return. In Jesus' name, amen.